Hey, what up everybody? Tim Castleman here with a very, very special Two Toke Tim podcast. <laughs> I call it the Two Toke Tim podcast because of my special guest today, Brad Goss. Before I introduce Brad, I want to let you guys know how we're doing this interview. Normally, you guys are used to it just being me with my headset two inches from my nostrils. You guys can hear every breath and stuff like that. We're actually here at the Traffic and Conversion Summit up in the room. We've tried to make it as easy as possible to do this so that you can hear it. So I apologize in advance if the sound quality isn't as great as you normally expect it. If I'm smart and can remember, I'll have this pro edited and, you know, someone with uh, talent, skill, and ability can fix it. But if not, just listen because I think you guys are going to be in for a real treat. I got uh, uh, I got to know Brad. God, when was the first time we met? Actually, this is, this is no shit. I was thinking about this the other day. I bought one of Brad's products uh, back in the WSO forum, and I remember I followed him on Twitter, and he had set up a, just an auto poster, and it was all vegan shit, and it was like every 15 minutes was like a new vegan post to a new thing, and I remember I took a screenshot of it, posted on the word form, I was like, who the fuck is this guy to post vegan shit every 15 minutes, like, like party foul, dude, like this is terrible, and people came on and were like, you shouldn't talk shit about Brad, and I was like, what the fuck ever, and I got out, and I remember we met, I think it was, we met at an event, and I was like, holy shit, this guy's a great guy, I went back and followed you again, and I still got spammed by that vegan shit. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. I shouldn't be doing that. So my special guest today is Brad Goss. Brad, I'll, I'll definitely have him talk about his history and stuff. But we really just kind of wanted to connect and, and talk about some crazy stuff uh, that Brad's kind of done in his past and some pretty interesting stuff he's done uh, doing doing currently with uh, high-end coaching. And also I want to talk about self-confidence because one of the things I've always admired about Brad is he, he seems to be a boundless self-confidence. He has the ability to ask for super high fees and get them on a consistent basis. And, you know, we always joke about like baller on a budget or guru positioning. But, but Brad is one of the guys that I've actually seen kind of orchestrate that from something to nothing and really rise uh, over the years uh, to that status without having to do, I don't want to say without having to do a ton of work, but without having to do the normal path of grinding away for years at a time and accepting other people's kind of limitation with that. So with that, the world's longest fucking intro, Brad, welcome. Thank you. Um, I just want to point out, to because since this is an audio-only podcast, that Tim is drinking a vegan smoothie. Yes. Um, yes, so. I am. Yes. From Vitality <laughs> Tap. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the liquid shits that come later with this. Yeah. There's a juice bar here in San Diego, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's great. It's about two blocks from the hotel. It's my first one and my last one. But yes, I am drinking a vegan smoothie. Uh, we're all, we do have a bottle of Captain Morgan Spiced Rum half drank. On the desk over there because nothing but the finest uh, wine and cheeses for my guests. So uh, I wore you down with my Twitter marketing. Yes, yes, yeah. you did. Yeah, I just was. Cr- I was just like, who is this asshole, and why is he? Why is he spamming me Twitter <laughs> vegan shit all the time? Like, come on, dude. Uh, and it, I just I remember that like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh shit, I used to hate you when I first <laughs> met you. And I didn't even know you about that. So for the people that don't know about your history, why don't you share a little bit about about your background? Because it's just every time you tell it to me. I'm just, I, I learned something new about you. Um, I, yeah, I started in uh, the late nineties, uh, online as a, as an internet marketer. And, um, you know, the, the, the thing that made the majority of the money back then, I always refer to the three P's was porn, poker, and pills. And, uh, you know, I can't play poker to save my life and not much of a pill popper. So, uh, you know, I was in my early twenties. I thought I'll get in the, you know, to sell porn on the internet. Um, yeah, and you weren't doing it as a performer. You were actually on the, per- and you weren't even actually on the production side. Or yeah, would that be considered a, a, a little bit? You know, I was mostly I wasn't in the porn. Um, 
you know, you're, you're either in the porn for the, for the business or you're in the business for the porn. Right. <laughs> right. There's kind right. of two, two camps. Right. Um, and, uh, of course, you, you know, if you're in the business, if you're in the porn for the business, uh, you still obviously have, you like it and you don't have, you're not against it. It's just, you're not performing. You're not, you know, a part of that side of things. You're more on the business side. So I licensed content from photographers and, and producers around the world and, uh, you know, paid, paid the fees to, to be able to retransmit it on the internet and built websites around that kind of stuff back in the, in, in a time when people were willing to pay for it. Um, so this is before the, the free porn heyday of today. Yeah, yeah. The free line moved to a point, uh, you know, I would say for me anyway, I think it was different for everybody in the biz. But And some people have made the free line work. But the free line moved to a point for many of us where, where we just couldn't make the model work anymore of making people pay a subscription to get access to 4,000 DVDs or whatever, right? It just wasn't enough. So you were basically doing continuity membership sites around different uh, niches or yeah. actresses or, yeah. or both? Yeah, niches was, was, was the main thing for me. Um, I'm sorry, it's, it's niches. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's West Texas. Yeah, yeah. Don't put that fucking yeah. French-Canadian bullshit yeah. on me. Yeah. It's actually pronounced sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, different niches like you know everything from sort of you know the plain vanilla hardcore porn to you know blowjob sites and you know you, I mean one of my back in the day one of my years ago one of my it just happened it was one of my most fam- famous sites was um, baldfemale.com. I owned this website and it was just these naked pictures of a woman who was bald and getting shaved and it it, it consistently made money every day like it just through osmosis like i didn't do any marketing just bald women did it for some people yeah and it was just it was just i just happened to have the right domain the right search term it was back when you know exact match domains mattered and right just landed all the you know all kinds of crazy membership signups holy shit like that wow um crazy crazy stuff right right you know and and, i mean people would send (laughs) people would send email like People would just send emails to, they would, they would figure, okay, somebody's answering one of these emails and they'd send it to like webmaster at bald female and, you know, admin ad and all, you know, we would get them because back in the day we'd have catch all emails. Um, and uh, people would be like, I will pay, cause we don't, we don't know this woman. We've just licensed the photos. Um, and people would email us and say, I, I will pay, you know, $10,000 to come out and shave your head. You know, if you grow your hair for a couple months, you know, I'll wow. like you know, we get these weird emails from guys like you know, like I remember once we got we got a, 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 a picture from a guy, and uh, he was standing in front of this mansion. Who knows if it was his? And he was like, "I can take you away from all of this." You know, and like you know, we get these weird emails from guys at random. Holy shit! <laughs> wow. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a totally adult podcast. Like, not just topic matter, but yeah, if this stuff offends you, turn away now. Now, because, yeah, we're telling you now. Yeah, we're telling you now. Like, yeah, like Brad always says in his talks, like, go have a coffee if uh, if it's going to offend you. But that's that's just crazy. So that's where you get started, dude. I love this story. So I hope you tell it. But talk about how you and your buddies used to distribute this content, like where they would just come over to the house on the weekends, and kind of how that worked. Well, yeah, when I first started out, you know, I, I was in my early 20s and I was uh, definitely not experienced as an entrepreneur. So I made a lot of mistakes. And one of the mistakes was um, I've le- I learned this lesson hard, but, you know, you, you shouldn't bring in friends and family into your, into your business. I mean, it, and I think that's different for everybody, but I learned the hard way. You know, I tried to bring all my buddies with me, you know. And, right. And, and so we were building so many, we called them feeder websites back in the day. 
we built so much, so many websites. I would, I would buy like, you know, giant volumes of content at a time. And this was before videos, we were doing pictures and, you know, FedEx would bring these boxes of CD-ROMs, you know, and we would, we would pull them all into a PC and we would, you know, smoke a lot of weed and just go off and build these like, and sometimes like a thousand websites in a month, like, you know, simple, like 30 to 50 picture websites that would be designed to advertise something bigger. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. And I had all my friends working for me. I mean, we were cranking out stuff. Back but basically the once a week they'd roll, they'd roll over, get their oh, yeah. new assignments, yeah. have a few joints and yeah. they'd get to and work. They'd run off and do the, yeah. And do their sites. And then they'd bring me back um, sites. And it was interesting because um, you know, I had, six friends and five or six friends working from back back then. And, and um, they had the freedom to make their own way. They didn't get paid by the hour. You know, they were paid by the website that they built. And I gave them all unlimited ceilings because I was making so much money. The more they did for me, the more money I made. It was just a simple equation. It was like pouring gasoline on a fire. Right. 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 So how much gasoline can you give me? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Totally. Yes. So um, they, you know, they would work really hard and some of them would produce, three, four times what, you know, one guy would produce three or four times the volume that, that the other would produce because he had more hustle. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, it was, it was always kind of interesting to see. I had one friend who was just happy to make, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars a week. Yeah. It was just and looking, so, right. And so him and his wife would like spend Sunday afternoon doing their entire two weeks of work. Right. And just wow. to make, just to make enough money to, to, to get by. They were, Quite happy with that yeah. sort of you know, we get the, yeah, minimum I got a, effective dose. I got an uncle like that. As long as he's got <laughs> beer in the fridge and yeah. gas in the tank, life is good, right? Yeah. 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 So it was, it, was kind of, it was always interesting to see the sort of different dynamic between my friends. But, um, yeah, it was it, it was an interesting time, and we were definitely yeah, – we, I mean, I remember saying back, back in those days, you know, if this internet thing st- sticks around, you know, if this thing – because it was still so new. Yeah, I remember like having to buy the old dial-up modems. Yeah, and yeah. You remember AOL? You have to buy hours on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's just like, and that's right. It was so new. Everyone was like, "Well, let's give it some time." Like yeah. all, all the major technology was like, "Oh, let's give it some time and see if this, you know." I think this is just a dying consumer fad. Like now, think about it. like if you were disconnected from the internet and your mobile phone, you'd freak the fuck out in fifteen minutes. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd have a full blown panic attack. You know, you ever <laughs> done the oh shit, I forgot my phone. I got to run back to the house. Yep. In case, yeah, no, I do it all the oh, time. It's just a just a panic. Or like we're at this event with you know three thousand other marketers, and all they're bitching about is the Wi Fi, Wi Fi, Wi Fi. It sucks. It sucks. So you did that, right? Yeah. And then uh, and then the free line kind of took over. So this is always something curious. I know we talked about this before, but it's like. You'll see these, I think something similar to what you create, like one of them I've seen, uh, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. One of mine, a friend of mine has told me about <laughs> is like exgirlfriendphotos.net, but basically it's people that they get user-generated content, I think, where it's like, you know, you get a spited ex-boyfriend and he sends in naked photos of his girl, but then all along the side, you know, it's got like 50 cam sites and all that, and I'm guessing... That's just a volume thing, right? Because if you type in, like, ex-girlfriend photos, I mean, I've heard, allegedly, not me personally. But if you type uh, in ex-girlfriend photos, like, it's the number one ranked site for it, okay. which is just crazy. So how does a guy like that make money in this, you know, when I go to, you know, porn and two clicks away from, you know, 30 seconds of happiness? People pay for um, experience right. today. So when you look at... Uh, uh, the, how the free line has moved in the in the porn space, and this is very similar to YouTube, and and I mean, although YouTube is is 
it, it's kind of a similar model, really, if you look at the, the two based porn sites. Okay. They have a similar model. They bring in advertisers. It's a, you know, RTB, real-time bidding system, where, you know, you have the ability to outbid your competitors and they, 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 they squeeze the profits. So um, if uh, you have a dating website that has some special thing, you know, you found a, you found a thing, you know, I mean, these, you know, these things are, so the money's always made in, in the experience upsell. So right, right. YouPorn uh, and a lot of these other websites, they have content, it's video, pre-recorded video uh, and photo type content on most of these websites. So, um, first of all, you'll get to a point where you've seen, you can only see so many images from, or, or, or videos from say amateur or, or right. whatever, one of these other pay sites. Right. And if you're really into that specific niche and you know that that website has 10 times more content on the back end and you're really, uh, you're hardcore into it, you'll go and pay for it. Right. Um, but beyond that, the, the advertisers on the side, they're upselling experience, right? You can't get... One on one access to a cam girl for free on the internet. That does not exist. Right. It probably never will because who's going to do that for free? Right. Right. Who's going to pay for that? Right. The girl's not going to do it for free. Of course not. Yeah. Um, and so. so that's the kind of thing that, and there will always be someone in the middle with technology who will make money doing that. Right. You know, and, and who will take a percentage to, for that privilege and for the, you know, for running the traffic. And then there's always going to be an affiliate who finds the whales who spend all the money on the cam girls. Right. And so there, you know, there's a, um, there's a there's a correlation there, and so what happens is if you find an experience type website or a, you know a niche that works, like oh my you know my cam girl has dark hair and tattoos, and this is making a ton of money on this particular website. Right. In three weeks, there'll be twenty other guys with dark haired tattooed cam girls on that website, and they'll squeeze the you know like porn will squeeze the profit because you guys will all outbid each other on ads. Okay, makes right? sense. So yeah. they make their you know these guys make their money on the real time bidding and the fact that when you find something that works or when something is is proven that it works, yeah, everyone kind of yeah the me too's come along and and they squeeze everybody and so See, what, that, you know, it's so funny you say that because Don Wilson uh, who was at this conference said something he's like dude the problem with paid traffic is it gets knocked off so quickly yep. and it's like that's crazy to think you know you would think paid traffic would be a big enough barrier to entry for those people but apparently yeah. not yeah it's a real hustle and that's the problem is that whenever you find you know if you find a way to turn a dollar into four. It won't, I mean, and I don't want to like take the wind out of everyone's sails, but you know th- that is a part of the process. And so you need to be in a situation where you own your product and you you, know, you have something. This is off topic a little bit, but you have something that that you can scale that maybe others can't. You have a barrier of entry. It's not as simple as just being an affiliate to something, or right? Having something that you can you know quickly snap out in terms of of what it is. But um, it won't be long before you're turning two dollars into four, and then three dollars into four, and then three dollars and ninety nine cents into four dollars, and then you lose money, uh, and then you have to change that marketing. There's a you know there's a problem with me too me too advertisers and banner blindness. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, even at this conference, they're talking about go find your competitor's ad, knock it off, mm-hmm. and, and put it up there, and you'll get some more clicks. So I mean, they're even advocating that as far as kind of a way that they do it, which is. Which is just interesting. Yeah, I mean, to me, when you're talking about like, you know, one into four, then two into four, that is kind of my experience with Teespring, you know, and people that sell on it. You know, it used to be this big gravy train, more and more knockoffs, sure, more sure. and more, and it's getting tougher and tougher now. You know, to where you may be doubling your money, but before you were quadrupling your money. Yep. And that's, you know, if what you're saying is true, then there may be a day where, um, you know, you're losing money or just breaking even. So, 
Well, shout out to Teespring there. I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus, but I mean that's the pay, that's the only paid traffic model that I have any experience with. Right, that I've kind right. Of have been have seen from what I consider the beginning to where it is now. And if you think about that, that's probably only been within the last three years. Yeah. So I mean, think about that being going from four x revenue to one x revenue in three years. Like that's that that puts a big hurting. Real, yeah. Real easy, especially when you're you know when that when your business sort of relies on a flow of new products and new ideas. The, it can get very disheartening when you see how quickly they get knocked off. Well, I mean, it's just like launches. Think about that. Remember remember two years ago when it was like, sell a copy and I'll come personally blow you at your house? <laughs> and now it's like, if you see like a $500 affiliate prize, on a, and it's because everyone kind of did that model and, and they hyper, they just it became so hypersensitive that, that it just got to a point where people were losing thousands of dollars. Yeah. And then someone said, I'm just not going to do that anymore, you know? Yeah. And, and, they, and they find a different way. Yeah. This is getting really negative. This is like Debbie Downer podcast. It, the, my people are, are used to it. We wait, talk about wait, wait. the Suicide Watch podcast by Tim Castle. <laughs> wow. That's what some of them are. All right. Well, let's talk about happier stuff. Um, so you, you, you do the porn thing, right? You, yeah. uh, I know you did a cam studio. You have some hilarious stories about that. But after porn was over and you said, okay, I'm done with porn, yeah. what was next? Um, so I, because I, the last thing I did well in adult was I was really good at SEO. Um and I spent a lot of time on it. I was number one for porn on Google and then lost that after about 18, 18 months. And, uh, but I still, I, I knew why I lost it. So I knew, I still knew what to do. I just screwed up. Um, and so I started teaching uh, companies in my office. I had this great office space with conference room and, you know, plasma screens and all this stuff, you know, because I, I just, I was making more money than I knew what to do with. And right. So I pissed it away on cool you know, office furniture. That sounds, that you know. sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had one of these like, you know, you know, miniature Googleplex type offices in, you know, in my own little world. Um, and, and I, uh, you know, so I brought companies in and I taught their people how to do their own in-house SEO. Right. And um, I think that's where I first remember. Yeah, you were doing like little events in Toronto, if I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and out of my office, and yeah, it was it was a it was a, a, a fairly good revenue stream for me, and and kind of got me into. And then I started to realize I can't scale this. Right, I was good at it, but I couldn't scale it. Right. So I started doing info products on SEO, and 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 then I realized that that wasn't really going to be what. Like I, I tried to. I think so for a little while. I tried to not talk about my adult entertainment history because I had made the jump to mainstream and my original thought was you guys are not going to like me. Right. If I, if I tell you that I came from porn. Right. Um, and then, you know, so for a little while I was, especially when I was trying to get insurance companies to come and take my class, you know, I didn't, didn't want to make it all about coming from porn, but I did tell them. Right. Because I had to have some backing of proof to say this is right. what I, I know what I'm doing. This is why you should listen to me. Yeah. Right. So I could I could have the you know had the Google Analytics history and I could show, you know, this is what I've done. Um but I was I tried to keep it kind of under wraps and then I realized that if I didn't talk about that stuff and I didn't bring that to my products, well, I wasn't gonna sell, I wasn't gonna stand out. Right. So I started, you know, teaching people how I made money with selfie photos of girls and how I, you know, how I did all these kind of other things that were sim somewhat crossed over, not adult necessarily, but you know, how, how to kind of push the line a little bit. And that really got me going. Okay. So 
I want a copy of your selfie product because I tried to find it last night, and I'll give you a copy of my notes. Okay. And that will be a digital exchange of information. That's a win. I'm not going to have him explain the selfie story because it would take too long. But And two, that's that's what I'm doing. Forget Kendall. Forget anything else. I'm going in the selfie market, so I'm, I'm just kidding with that. So you, um, uh, so you do that. You're doing the SEO. You're kind of starting to do the internet marketing. One of the things that I remember – you always did things just a little bit different in a way that stood out. Like, I remember you did, like, the no refund thing, you know, and you were just very upfront about it. Like, I don't have a refund policy. I have a no refund policy, but it's not like I'm. it's in your face. It's not like at the, in the headline, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How to make a million dollars tomorrow, no refunds, don't fucking ask. You yeah. Know? Like, but you're very upfront with that. Like, and, you know, I remember you even had a graphic that I loved. It was like, no haterade on the thread. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're very good about kind of just being like, hey, this is who we're going to be, and this is who... Um, you know, this is who we want. This is who we don't want. You know, and before I forget, I really do want to talk about what you what you said about the the porn thing about how I thought that was kind of going to be used against me, but it turns out people love it. I think it's great. Like you're the guy that that really taught me this. I think Colin enforced it was one success gives you credibility in the other. Mm-hmm. And I, I this came to light when I actually went ta- heard you to speak at Xbiz. You know, but it was like the porn. Uh, background gave you credibility in the SEO world, and then when you kind of went mainstream, that gave you credibility in the porn world. Because yeah. with the porn guys, it seems like more than anything, they just want to be accepted, right? They want to be like they want. It's like it's mainstream, and they want to be accepted, that and they feel like they've got this. I mean, I've seen uh, tons of porn documentaries, research only, of course, <laughs> um, where like guys are like, you know, you have to black my face out and don't use my name because yeah. I shoot for TV shows, and if they know I do this, they won't do it. But porn always has had that negative um, that stigma. But I feel like in this industry it really helps solidify that uh, one because your target march you know watch all the time but two it's kind of like you're the you're the outsider you know you weren't like you know I, I went to an ivy league school where i learned this and you know i have my mom's cooking business you're like you know you yeah. want to see a chick suck a dick i'm number one for that <laughs> keyword you know and i think that that's what i think that was great and it made you stand out but it also because you were able to access your previous history, you know that that I think raised your stock a ton. Because it wasn't it wasn't like you know you were doing like number one baker in Lubbock, Texas. Who gives a shit? You right, know, there's right. three bakeries in town. Not a, but number one for porn. That's huge, and people yeah. see a real world or a perceived value on doing that. Yeah, definitely. And and yeah, like you said, it was it kind of once I once I moved over to this camp the. Uh, the guys in the adult space started asking me to talk at their events and they never asked me to talk when I was in the space. <laughs> it was always, you know, I just go to events, but th- once I, once I became successful in mainstream, they really wanted me to bring the, the knowledge from our, from our camp back over to them. And, and you're right. Like it, you kind of climb the ladder that way. Well, it's kind of like what I do. I mean, and I say this openly, but it's what I do with Kindle. Because I publish and I'm successful on Kindle, then I can sell information products. And because I can yep. sell information products, people on Kindle are like, well, how do you do that? So it's kind of a loop yep. where it's just like self-perpetuating success. And yeah, it was a great talk. I mean, and one of the coolest things is Brad has actually written a book, like a big boy book, as my buddy Brian Johnson likes to call it, called The Chronic Marketer. You can pick it up. It's hilarious. There's an interview, actually, of you in my old house and me, and we were fucking uh, talking on that. It's a great book. But I remember you brought it there and you kind of just mentioned it and it was amazing how many people picked it up but what was really amazing was how the perceived value of you went up instantly because it's like you're a published author yeah you know it's like hey guys uh, you know i got a book in the back it's there you know you can take one free everybody went and grabbed one everyone was like oh shit this guy's legitimate you know and i I was very very impressed how you were able to do that And, and like you say just kind of get the respect of both industries at the same time yeah yeah it was uh it was a lot of that was a fun talk because 
Uh, I had spoken there three year, or two years prior, and they asked me to speak the third time, and I was really kind of out of stuff. <laughs> like, I didn't quite know what I was going to talk about. And the owner of XBiz, um, uh, Alec Helmy, and I were on a, on a call, and he said, um, I'd really like you to do a talk about selling in a free economy. Right. And I thought, oh, I can, yeah, I can spin that. Let me, you know, done. I'll take care of it. And um, so I, I started thinking about it, how I was going to do this talk. And it was the, this was the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm joking. Um, we, so, so my, uh, my, my idea was I was going to go and grab a $100 prepaid visa card and I was going to sign up to every porn site that had won an XBiz award in the year prior. Nice. Okay. And so I went and signed up to, I don't know, like a dozen different membership porn sites right. in a bunch of different verticals. And I, I, I took myself through the user experience and sort of documented the annoyance factor that, that was, you know, dealing with a paid porn site. And I compared it to the YouPorn experience and how, you know, how YouPorn had, you know, half the number of clicks to get to a streaming video and half the, you know, half the time and, and, and less intrusive advertising than a site I just paid money to access. And I took them through this, like, how shitty the user experience was. And unlimited, unlimited. YouPorn never stops you and says, hey, stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're done yeah. watching videos. Yeah. Now. Yeah. If you sign up to, to some adult sites and you start downloading too much, they'll say, hey, hey, slow down. You know, you got a monthly membership here. We want to keep you. Right. Whereas you porn, you let you watch all day long. Right. So yeah, it was. It, you know, the it it became a really easy idea for a talk because you could take that to any space as a marketer, right? You could go to, uh, you know, an insurance conference and 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 look at, you know, twenty different life insurance companies' websites and and talk about how crappy their experience is because you can't just go and sign up for a policy without jump through a million hoops or right. whatever it might be. Um, and, and, you know, it was a really, it was a really, it was a cool eye opener because I thought toxic dish is scary because you get up on stage and you're basically blasting the audience. You guys are doing a shitty job. Well, I remember at the beginning you were kind of flipping through the companies you're going to do. And one of the CEOs or one of the head guys was there and he was just like, Oh Jesus. Like, yeah. he's like, fuck, I'm going to have to get roasted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a hard talk to do. But I ended up getting a really good review of it. They really liked. Oh, the dude, yeah, they brought Max Hardcore was all over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to meet Max Hardcore. We did not shake his hand. We were like, I don't want where the, I know I've seen your videos, Max. I know where the hands been. No, no. But but and a lot of he's, other a, people, he's a fan of mine. Yeah, and a lot of other people that that from these big companies were really appreciative of that. And I and I felt like listening in the audience, I felt like that was a message they needed to hear because it was true. You were basically like, look, I can see porn in three clicks on you porn. Whatever I want, what I'm there with you. you you know, I gotta like you say. I give you money. You immediately want more money. You know, I can only watch so many videos. You limit me this. You know, you, yep. you you know. God forbid there's a problem. I can't talk or call in. You know, and and I think it really was eye opening for them to kind of see like this is what they're up against. It's it's a lot like to me the music economy. You know, it's like yeah, you guys, no one's buying albums anymore, motherfuckers. Like yeah. stop producing them. You know, put together some songs, record that shit live. Put it out on fans, you know, or record an album to get people there. And then when they show up, don't give me a fucking CD. I, I'll go to, when I go to concerts now and these struggling bands, I'll go up and I'll go, are you on Spotify? I'll download the Spotify yeah. album right in front of them. I'll pay them for, you know, their 10 bucks they want for their album. And I say, keep it because I don't fucking want it. I'm going to throw it in the trash. Because yeah. who the fuck has albums these days, you know? But, yeah. but it's almost like these big industries are just, they're praying that something like the undo button comes and it just goes, it's like, no guys, it's not, you know? Yeah. And, and the guys I see that are really successful, um, 
as independent artists, you know, like a Ryan Montblue, like a Sturgill Simpson, they all have different paths, but they just basically become marketers as well as musicians, you know. And, you have to be. Yeah. And find, like Ryan, one thing Ryan Montblue does that I think is, is uh, genius is, you know, he invests in the money, but he has a soundboard. He records every show live, and at the end of it, you can get for 15 bucks. I think you get a little USB drive. And it's like, what's more better than a personalized fucking concert that you were at? So it's not like, dude, you got to listen to this album. It's like, I was at this concert, and this was going on. I mean, it's fucking smart. That's you really know? smart. Yeah, it's just like cam girls doing private shows. You know, It's like, <laughs> they'll pay more money yep. because you get that individualized personal personalized experience. Yeah, and it's like, man, I just love this because it's just for me. Yeah, and I think you know our economy is moving in that direction. If you talk about sort of the information economy and how... Everything is moving free. Everything, look, every, everything that's being sold right now, there's nothing information-wise being sold right now that you can't find for free elsewhere. With podcasts out in, or out videos. Out in the wild. Right, yeah. yeah. You may have to weed through a lot to find it. Right. But you can find it out in the wild. And so the, the idea of information having value diminishes greatly as time goes by and the internet you know, explodes in terms of the number of websites being built, number of videos uploaded to YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So you have to look at your own business and say, if I'm in the, in the information only business, how do I shift that to provide some level of experience on the, on the other end? Right. Right. What's the experience I can offer people that is personalized that gives them a story to tell outside of just the information? Right. No, I agree. I, th- I think it's awesome. So, all right, well, let's keep going because I don't want to keep circling back to the porn. But so you're doing <laughs> the SEO, you're doing the, the guru thing a little bit as far as like doing some information products. And then did I just see you kind of just suddenly start going in several different directions with several different companies? So what are you doing right now? Like what, what's occupying the majority of your headspace? Majority of my headspace right now is uh, cartoon licensing. Right. Uh, I own a, a company called Vector Tunes. We have a cartoon-based stock. Um, it's like a stock photo website for cartoons. Okay. And uh, it allows people who want to, you know, illustrate their products or their their books or their sales letters or, or their whatever with cartoons to help make their point. So right. we have... 10,000 cartoons right now in our system and we're growing a five full-time cartoonists. We're growing that base of content every single day. And we sell, we sell cartoons for about $2 a piece. Um, and we have you know bigger bundle deals and all that kind of stuff, but the average is about $2 per cartoon. So, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to make a, a t-shirt or you want something for a book cover. You want whatever, whatever that might be. Um, you know, you, you do a search and you hopefully you find a picture that you want, uh, and it's two bucks. You can use it in your own right, stuff right. and we don't, it's, you know, it's royalty free. Um, and so from that catalog, I've kind of moved in a new direction, which is licensing. And I went to a, 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 an event in Vegas this summer called licensing expo. And I learned a lot about physical product licensing. So if you own original content art wise, uh, whether it's a unique photograph that you've taken or, uh, you know, you know, maybe you own Grumpy Cat, you know, uh, like, the, you know, Grumpy Cat was at Licensing Expo and Grumpy, you know, Grumpy Cat's a great example of uh, an image that that is extremely licensable because someone owns the cat, can own the trademark on Grumpy Cat, can have, you know, like you can't use that image without them getting a royalty. Holy cow. And no it goes idea. on everything. Right. Right. So Grumpy Cat, you know, there's a there's a Grumpy Cat endorsed cat food. There's a grumpy cat, you know, there's phone cases, there's, you know, and they get 
uh, you know, uh, I don't know what their numbers are, but most higher end brands like a Disney or whatever will get 20% of the retail price of a product that's being sold with their imagery on it. Wow. They don't actually, you know, when you see a, a, a you know, a, a product with a, a licensed image on it, you know, a, a, let's say like a Star Wars or whatever that might be, the company that makes that product isn't, Lucasfilm, right. right? It's some manufacturing company that right. licensed that image from Lucasfilm and pays them every time you buy it. Makes sense, yeah. So, um, not necessarily not comparing myself to Disney. You know, I'm sort of the Walmart of cartoons. If you, if you're to look at it that way, I have a, I have a, uh, you know, my inventory doesn't have any any brand value necessarily, but it's 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 simple, right? It's you know, if you just need something, if you need a cartoon for a talk you're doing, or whatever, I have it, and it's cheap and quick, right? So that's my focus because uh, it's an asset, digital asset-based business that um, has the potential to be extremely valuable as it grows. Right. Well, one of the things that I also have seen you do, and this has probably just been within the last maybe 18 months or so, is you went from, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't been following that close, but you went from like nothing on Flippa to like an extreme super seller in a record amount of time when you've sold several properties at high value for yourself. And now you kind of are actually doing it as a service too. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I, uh, how'd that start? I'm just curious. Like what made you be like, oh, I'm going to flip a side on, on Flippa. <laughs> it started because I, I was, um, starting to move into, I, I made a, a pivot and I, I repivoted, but I, I wanted to get into, into start the startup world. Like these, you know, these, funded startups, you know, that have tons of money in the bank and have venture capitalists feeding them cash and, and, you know, usually have big exits. And it all looked very, the grass was very green in my view. I thought, oh, this looks really good. I want to advise for startups. And I've, I've made some money along the way doing that. And I still, I mean, you know, I'm on the advisor board for JVZoo and, you know, so owning, I own pieces of some companies that are very successful, but I wanted to get into sort of the other side of the world, which isn't bootstrapped. It's more like the VC funded world. And, um, so I was, I partnered with a company and, you know, I decided I'm going to sell off some of my websites. So I have to deal with the support. And so I'll put them up on Flippa and I made a lot of money selling them. It was like really good. You know, the, the numbers were really good. And, and, um, so I thought, wow, I could just, you know, launch a, a new website, I hire, you know, basically outsource the whole thing, launch a new website every, you know, two to four weeks and flip it on Flippa. And it was just a really good model, you know, right. make, make some cash. Okay. You know, prove, I proved this product sells, go sell it to someone who wants to have fun and scale it. Cause I have shiny itis and I want to go make another product. So you would just basically make a minimum viable product, sell it, whether it's through your list or through any whoever's and then get a couple sales to show the viability. Like, Hey, people will buy this. And here's the people that here's a conversion rate and yeah, right. all that kind of stuff. I, right. prove, I have all the stats. And then, uh, and then say, hey, I want to move on to another venture. Buy this from me, and you can do all the work. You know, here's here's all the stuff you can do. Yep. I just don't want to do it. Exactly. And people people buy that because one, it's a proven concept. But two, I always believe, even with InfoProduct, people buy into the dream, right? And they go, well, look look at how much this guy accomplished with how little I can always accomplish more. You there's know? there's different types of entrepreneurs, right? There's if you kind of look at the physical world. Uh, there's there's the entrepreneurs who start their own restaurant that nobody's ever heard of, and then there's entrepreneurs that go and buy a TGI Fridays franchise, right? Right. And um, on, and, and and they're both, you know, 
great great entrepreneurs and they both have different ideas about how how all of that works and some people want to go into something that's proven you know has has support and backing and has real you know like they're not the they're not the first rodeo um and and then there's other people who want to break that new ground and create the TGI Fridays and and but they don't necessarily want to see it through to the point where it's this giant global corporation right Right. They just want to be the guy who founded it and sold it. Gotcha. And, you know, I'm that guy. I'm not, you know, I don't want to build a company where I have to go to work in a suit every day and deal with HR problems and, you know, answer, you know, press questions or whatever. You know, You're not I, trying to build a hundred year business. Yeah. 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 yeah well, not necessarily. And, and, you know, I want to, I, I like, I like my lifestyle. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. I think that's good. And I think that that's smart. So you started doing it. And then was it Flippa that contacted you? Or was it um, was it people con- like seeing your success on Flippa that said, hey, can you help me out? Well, yeah, because I was a super seller on Flippa and I had a really great success rate uh, and a awesome feedback, people who wanted to buy websites were contacting me and saying, you know, what would you charge to coach me? And so, you know, I started doing flip coaching where I would, you know, take someone through the process of, you know, I have an idea for a product and I would help them to figure out how to build the minimum viable product that fits their world the best and, um, you know, launch it on a small scale and then flip it. And then the idea was that you would pay me, you know, uh, you know, I have, I have programs that start at $10,000 and move up to $35,000, depending on sort of the level of attention that you get. So right. the 10K is the most popular because it's the cheapest and, and most people like to come in at the minimum they can and see what they can get out of it. Um, but it's it's sold in such a way where I don't promise them any number of hours. It's done on a – I tell them, I'm going to teach you a minimum viable product and we're going to do it the minimum amount of time possible because I don't want to waste your time or mine, you know, sitting on the phone every two weeks – Checking your, you know, how you're doing. Checking up on how you're doing. I want to tell you how to do this and get you to the result as quickly as possible, so that you can do it again and again and again. That's smart. And, and I mean, you glossed over this, but this is really this whole lead up has been to what I'm about to talk about now, which is the fact that you just drop 10k price tags like it's no big deal, and <laughs> you frame it in such a way where. We're not spending, you know, we're not becoming best buddies. We're not getting matching tattoos and becoming Eskimo brothers. Like, you know, like, yeah. like we're going to spend as little time together as possible. So before I ask you about that, though, I want to, I mean, I, I hope people caught that lesson. Like, Brad had zero experience in Flippa. He just went and did something, had, got a tangible result, shared that with other people, or probably other people saw that result. And then naturally, that started a whole brand new business, a new income stream, a new, you know, that's what kills when people are like, oh, there's no good idea. It's like, just fucking go do something. Get yeah. a result, yeah. a minimum viable result, and then show other people that result. And people that have no results will think that you're amazing. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I may only make a thousand bucks a month on Kindle, but 91% of my list make zero money on Kindle. So to them, I'm pretty freaking awesome. You know, yeah. to, you know, John Grisham, he could care less about me type deal. So I think that's, that's really critical. But let's talk about, because you've done the coaching, you did it in the I am space. When you wrote the book, I've seen you do that. You've been able to do it at very high levels as far as price points with very minimum uh, involvement. So how have you kind of been able to orchestrate that? And what's your what's your thought process behind it? Um, I guess it comes from a place of early success. My very first consulting deal 
um, that was done on a very high level was a $100,000 consulting fee for one afternoon of my time. And that was your first consulting fee? Yeah, as I was. Holy shit. Well, well I, I, I think I had done some higher level stuff earlier. I did maybe a couple of $20,000 deals before that. Um, I've done it. I've, I've always done them on a high level because when I was in the adult entertainment industry, the, the money that I made and the things that I, like back, this was back when there were secrets and when you could really, you had proprietary stuff that you were doing. And, and I had a lot of proprietary stuff that I was doing and, and I made a lot of money generating traffic by just exploiting networks and hacks and things that other people didn't know about. And, you know, it was, it was a time when your knowledge capital had a lot of value. Gotcha. So, um, people would always approach me and say, Hey, I noticed you're getting a lot of traffic from peer to peer networks. Or, hey, I noticed you're, you know, you've really cornered this SEO space. How much would you charge me to, you know, learn everything that you know? Right. And this was a time when, you know, I, I didn't sell information products. I didn't teach people how to make money. And when someone approached me and said, I want to learn what you know, my attitude was always, fuck you. You, you're, you want to compete with me. Right, right. And so I would always throw out a number, which was, this is how much I want to charge you for the privilege of competing with me because now I'm going to have to fight you for the same dollar. Right. And with the same information. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm going to give and, you my best tips and tricks. And yeah. what's going to stop you from going to sell to the next guy and then right. I get to a point where this is gone. Right. So, you know, to me it was always like, so So I remember my friend approached me and he was like, I know you know this. I've been trying to figure it and he had been banging on the wall trying to figure out what I was doing. And um, I had a, I had this proprietary software knowledge that I had figured out and it wasn't even that awesome. You know, it wasn't like some, you know, like I'm some math whiz with a giant chalkboard full of quasi, you know, equations that you don't, you don't understand. You know, it was like right. something stupidly simple. Um, but I just had figured it out that nobody had figured it out and was making a killing at it. And so when, when he, he approached me, I said, I want a hundred thousand dollars for the privilege of competing with me. And he had the money. I knew he had the money. Um, and he was like, okay, let, you know, let me give, me, give me a few hours to think about it. And I remember he came back to me with like a list of six questions. And I guess he answered them all right. Cause he said, okay, let's do it. And I remember I went to his office. He gave me a you know bank draft for $107,000. Cause we had a $7,000 tax in Canada <laughs> I had to charge him. And, and, you know, I, I, I sat down with him and I said to him, I even told him in advance, this is going to be the quickest, like you're going to learn this in an hour. And you know one of the one of the one of the parts of the of the deal was that I needed to guarantee him a certain amount of traffic, in you know within a certain amount of time. Right. And because that's how he was going to make up your consulting. Yeah, that was yeah. How he needed to know that he was going to he was going to hit this saturation point on his you know in in this test that we were going to run, and that and that it, he was going to be able to scale it. So um, I agreed to that. So what happened was I went to his office. I got there like probably around eleven o'clock in the morning. I set up his servers. I took him out for lunch. I paid for lunch. Nice of you. <laughs> I, was, nice. I thought I'd be nice and buy him lunch. That's awesome. And we got back to his office and we'd hit the milestone. Wow. And so for me, it had it's always been my my fees come from a place of I know what I do works. Right. You may not follow through on this. I don't care. Right. Because if you do, I'm now fighting you for dollars. Right. So Here's the price that I'm going to charge for the privilege of that knowledge and that access. And I and think that's huge because as I think about it, like I've done, you know, I think a lot of times, especially in the coaching consulting space, you, you kind of want to mentor 
the up and comers or the underdogs, or you want to, you know, give back. But what you're really doing, especially if they're in the same spaces, like you say, you're creating competitors. And I've yeah. done that in the Kindle space where I've helped Kindle product launchers with different things, and then they use those against me and launches. And it's like, well, yeah. fuck, I just, I just built my own Terminator. Really? Yeah. So I don't want to do that for seven dollars. Yeah. Right. Right. If I gonna... charge eight. So oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, or twenty-seven or fifty. You know, it, to me, it has to be a high fee because. Um, I'm I'm sharing with you what what I had to make a lot of mistakes to learn. Right, and it's not a low. It's not something that I should undervalue. Yeah. Um, and so I've never. I guess it comes from a place of early success. The confidence comes from a place of early success. But knowing, like I know, and I know I can get to the result, even if it is only twenty percent of the people who buy something on that level will actually get to the finish line. Uh, and I even tell them that up front. I tell them eighty percent of my of my people fail because they always ask you. You have you have references? I never give references. Right. I do not provide references. And as long as I've been in business, I've found that people who ask for references, they're they're gone. They're, well, they're looking for a reason out the door. Yeah. Just like when someone before they hey, I'm about to buy a product. I just want to know before I do what's your refund policy. Yeah. yeah it's like yeah. my refund policy is you don't fucking buy. Yeah. Because you're about to. Because yeah, I mean if you're at, if you're looking at the door. Yeah. Before you know, it's like you know, blind date where you already got a call set up twenty minutes into it. It's like yeah. Well, you weren't taking this shit serious in the first place. Here's how you close somebody who asks for a reference. Okay. You say. Obviously, you, you have an issue with trust, and I totally understand that because I would too at this level. But I know what I know, and you can Google me and see that there are no, there's there's nothing out there that's terrible about me that's going to make you think that I'm going to take your money and money. Right, right, right. And uh, if you're the type of person who needs a reference, your trust will just move down the line. As soon as I put you on the phone with somebody who gives me a glowing review, you're going to hang up that call and say, I wonder if that was his uncle just covering for him or if that was his buddy or whatever. So you're as soon as that as soon as we get to that point, your your trust is just going to shift down the line, and you're going to say, "I don't know if I if I trust your referencing. I have to think about this some more." And so I tell them that, uh, you know, and, and I say, you know, like, have you ever given a reference on a resume? Who you who you giving up? Yeah, right. You giving up the guy that you're not sure what he's going to say about you? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you really want a reference? Are right. you going to want to go down this road, or are we ready to make a decision? Right. And a lot of the time, someone who wants the reference will realize. You're, they're being ridiculous, and we'll just make the decision and jump. Right. That's that's crazy. That's just absolutely crazy. I think what I wanted to reiterate was, you know, you talked about, I know I get the result. Like, it's not about uh, you, because I know that I can get the result. And if you follow what I tell you to do, then you're going to get that result, too. But if you don't, then you're not. And, you know, you kind of gloss over it where you tell people. But we, we were talking about before we started recording this. But if you would, talk a little bit about that process, about how you kind of talk to them. And, and I mean, you're very upfront with it, where you're like, hey, 80% of the people fail, and here's the reasons why. Yeah, and it's true. 80%, you know, it's, I mean, this is just a rough number. I don't have, a, I've never spreadsheeted it out. But in my head, I can tell you about 70 to 80% of the people I work with, I wouldn't say they fail, but they just don't get to the finish line. Um, and most people don't get to the finish line because they actually just want to know how you do what you do. Right. They don't, and, and they're willing to pay, some people are willing to pay a fortune for it. And I find the more money they pay for it, the more likely they are to follow through because they're more invested. But for a lot of people, it's, oh, you work for a living. I thought you pushed buttons. Right. Or I, I thought this was going to be easier. They or, want to know the magic trick. Right. And, right. And, and so once they find out what it is, they don't always follow through. Or if they do it once, they don't necessarily repeat. Because they've done it once, they made some money, and they're like, okay, that worked, but I want to try something new now. Right. And 
And that's totally fine. And maybe that, maybe the knowledge they get from that carries them through to something better down the road or whatever that might be. And so I tell my people up front, you know, they ask, what's your success rate? And I say about 20% of the people who buy from me are successful. And I can tell you right now what's wrong with the, you know, what happened to the other 80%. And I say, you know, they don't follow through. They don't focus. They don't repeat. I teach them how to make money. They make a profit. They turn, you know, 1,000 into five or 10 in the first time. You know, we don't, we, we don't try and build, you know, giant yachts. We try and build, you know, little rafts to show them how it works right. and let them scale it. And, uh, they see that they can do it and they can repeat it, but they get bored with it quickly. Right. So I say that, you know, they lose focus. Uh, they're indecisive. They're afraid to take risk. Uh, you know, so some people will just be, you'll know, get to the point where they have to hire an outsourcer and pay a thousand dollars. And they're just like, I don't know if I really want to do this anymore. But, you know, I show them how to do it. And if they follow through, they'll win. But not everybody does. Right. And when I take people through all the reasons why, it's how, it's funny how the human mind works. If I tell you, uh, you know, this surgery has an 80% failure rate and it's because the people who take the surgery don't follow through on the physiotherapy at the end and they'll, because, and if they don't, they'll never walk again. Right. And for some reason, people just give up and 80% of them give up. But if, you know, if you're in the 20% who don't give up, you will walk again. Right. Right. Every single person who is told that will think they're in the 20%. Right. It's just like when you talk about, you know, all the, uh, well, here's all the reasons they fail. They think, they're like, well, I'm, I'm going to be hard Yeah, work. I focus. I'm going to follow through. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take risks. I'm going to do this stuff. Right. And, and I'm not going to be like these other people. Yeah. So I'm very upfront with how this all works and that they're, I'm transparent. Right. Right. Because I find that that, it, it puts people at ease when you tell them what they don't expect to hear. Right. If you tell them, oh, I have a 100% success rate. And I've yeah. heard people say that. To me, like I, my bullshit detector is like ding, 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 yeah. ding. You're full of shit. Right. Nobody has a hundred percent success rate. I don't care if you're Tony fucking Robbins. You right. have a hundred percent success rate. Right. Right. You know, somebody who went to a Tony Robbins seminar has committed suicide. I guarantee it because the guy's seen millions of people. So you know, not every no nobody has a one hundred percent success rate. Right. And he probably has people that have paid him millions of dollars for coaching yeah. that don't follow through. Yeah. Because they just learn the trick and they go, shit, this is marriage counseling, and I don't, I you know, I want the new wife that wants to you know play with my penis. I don't want to have to sit here <laughs> and talk about my feelings for six months, you know, and then get yeah. divorced. Yeah. So you know, it, it's and 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 it's reassuring to a client, a potential client, when they're like, "This guy doesn't bullshit me. He tells me stuff I don't expect to hear. I think he's going to lie to me, and he tells me eighty percent of his people fail, right? And it's just truthful, and it's it's straight up. And and then if they fail, because if they fall into that eighty percent, they never come back to me and say you screwed me, right? Because they did. They know that they 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 literally hit that bullet list and just went through and oh yeah. Yeah, I, I lost focus. Oh yeah. yeah, I was afraid. To, I was indecisive. Oh yeah, I hesitated. Yeah, right. well, it's like you know we were talking about this last night because Brad and I've been hanging out a lot. You know, he was talking about back in Bitcoin days uh, where he actually had some coaching clients that when it was what eighty nine dollars. Yeah, that he he told them all like, hey, I'm not you know financial investor, but here's what I'm doing. You should do that. And you had how many people? How many people do that? Zero. Okay, and what did you cash out at for Bitcoin? Uh, we don't want to talk about the dollar amounts, but uh, right. I did really well with Bitcoin. Yeah, and, like and, so several times multiple of your initial investment. Yeah, yeah, over ten times my money back, and and and. Um, but yeah. the, the thing about that whole thing, I want people to understand is you told them when you were investing, and they could have had the same result. Yeah, and and I told them, I even told them it's not an investment. This was a craps table. You know, thing. right? But if you can, you know, if, if you're investing, I, I said, you know, if you're investing ten thousand dollars in 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 stocks and stuff this year, put a thousand dollars into this just for the hell of it, right? 
Um, and uh, yeah, it was you know it was uh, it was it was a big windfall for me. And I, I remember a lot of my coaching clients were like, "Damn, I should have I should have listened to you. Yeah, I could have turned ten grand into a hundred. Yeah. Well, we all have those. I mean, yeah. you know, I have a deal with. Uh, you know, with Paula, when she started Teespring, I was talking about. It, I was like, "Hey, you know what? I'll front the money and we'll we'll split it." And then we we had the initial was rough going on, and we were busy with something else. I said, "I'll scrap it." And she went on to do her own thing. And it's like, when I look at how much money that that potentially could have made me. It's like, oh well, you know. I mean, sure, it's another house, but you know, who needs <laughs> who needs more than six of those, right? Yeah, so. so, what is your coaching process like? As far as like. Um, and you can talk about how much or how little you want to. You want to talk about the intake process, or you want to talk about the actual coaching? Because the other part is you get this really high fee, but you know, if I if I charge you ten thousand, I would think I'd have to come live with you for a month or something like that. You know, <laughs> to, to make me feel like that fee is worth it. So how how do you frame it in a way where you say you're going to pay me this very large amount of money? You're going to understand these are how people fail. And this is how little time I'm going to spend with you. And they'd be okay with it where they don't feel like, oh, shit, I didn't, you know, I got taken. Well, I, I, again, I'm, I'm transparent and upfront about the fact that neither of us wants to waste each other's time. Right. And that we don't need to be best friends, we, you know, and I don't need to have a checkup call with you every two weeks. Right. What, what I need to do is I need to give you a laundry list of things to do. And you need to follow up on those things. And I'm always here if you have questions. So it's not... Uh, you know, you're only getting three hours of my time and it's not, you're getting 30 hours of my time. And I, what I tell them is everybody's going to have a different requirement for the amount of time that they need from me. Right. And I'm not going to count the hours because I, I want to do it in the minimum amount of time and you want the same. We both agree. We want this in the minimum amount of time. So you're not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste yours. And we're going to, we're going to do this so quickly so that you get to the result and you don't need me anymore. Right. But if you have questions along the way, you send me a quick message. Hey, Brad, I'm, you know, I'm hiring this outsourcer. What do you think of their portfolio? I'm doing this. I'm, you know, how do I deal with this problem? I know the answer. Right. I've probably had the problem along the way. And if I don't, I can possibly connect you to somebody. Right. Um, and so I'm there for them as a, you know, they, they know I'm in their corner. I'm not going to leave them hanging. Um, but once they get to the result, we're done. Yeah, you you turn a thousand into five, we're done because now you go turn ten into fifty. Right, because you know how to do it. Yeah, yeah, right, and and that's the thing. So it's not so much that, that you're like I'm never going to be here. It's like hey, I'm here as much as you need it. I just want to get it done as quick as possible because you want to get it done as quick as possible. And as soon as we get to that desired outcome, well, you know, like you said, your buddy, you came back from lunch, the 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 fulfillment was already met. Yeah, it's like, hey, I already met it. It's like we don't need to sit here and bullshit anymore. I got, you know, I got a hundred seven thousand dollar bank draft to cash. You know, <laughs> yeah. What about the poor guys? What about the poor guys? Oh man, that's crazy. So you've done this now with Flippa, and I know you've got some exciting stuff that you you've done. Kind of, you've created a course on flipping. Yep. Right, and you've got a mastermind. Yeah. Um, that works really well with that, and I love how you have your masterminds because they're kind of set up too like that, where it's not like guys, we're going to come and I'm. I have to do a bunch of stuff every week. It's kind of like, I'm going to show up, we're going to talk, and if no one shows up, then we don't need to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it works well because the people who, who who need the most access get it, and the people who need the least access get it, but the result is always the same. You know, the outcome is always the same. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. I want you, before I let you go, I want you to share your money hack that you wrote about that we talked about the other, well, actually we talked about this morning, uh, about what you do with your money when it comes to like sweeping your accounts and how you always stay hungry. Because um, 
I have found this to be a problem, and this is I want to hashtag this first world problem. Rich people problems. Yeah, rich people problems, right? <laughs> uh, respectable older gentleman problems, whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to do it. But you know, there really can come a time where you are too comfortable. Yeah. And I have found that I have made the least amount of money in my business, and probably had the least amount of satisfaction in my business when I was comfortable. When I was like, I have enough money. All my needs are met. So you kind of have some ways that you've tracked and hacked the, the brain to kind of force yourself to always stay in that in that hungry mode that I want you to talk about. And, guys, this is stuff, I mean, when, when Brad taught it, I was like, oh, come on. And I started doing it, and I noticed an immediate impact because of, of the psychology behind it. Yeah, the, there's a, you know, there's a problem when you start to make too much money where that um, – that can really cripple you where, you know, if you've got too much money in the bank or too much money in your PayPal account, like, you know, we were just, yeah, we were talking about this this morning where like, if you've got enough money in your PayPal account to cover all your expenses for two years, or you've got enough money in your bank account to cover your, your, your minimum payments on all your stuff, you know, your mortgage and all your, you know, whatever it is to cover your monthly expenses for years, which, you know, sometimes you get to that space. It's, and this doesn't, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't have that much money, this actually still applies. So, so hear me out on this because the mentality is the same, but the analogy I always use is the grocery shopping analogy. They always tell you, don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Yeah. Cause you buy every fucking you whim and yes. load up the cart. You will buy way more. You're groceries. ravenous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And money works the same way, right? If you go to the grocery store full, you will be conservative about what you put in the cart. So if you are, if you have a full bank account and a full PayPal account, and a, you know, all your credit cards are paid and you have all this money, you're actually conservative about how much more you're, you're, you get less aggressive about how much more you go after. It's very hard to change that mindset. And so what I do is I liquidate my accounts and I, and I move my money into places that it's not as easily accessible, but you know, whether that's, you know, life insurance trusts or index funds or you know, other investments where I put my money, gold and silver, you know, all these different places where I put it, where it's not, I can't just go to the ATM and take the money out. Or I can't just, you know, do a mass pay and send you money. Right. I have to think quite twice about where I get so it. So you can get your money if you need to, but it, it takes a second to get liquid. Right. And so what I try and do is I try and sweep out my PayPal account, sweep out my bank accounts to a point where the where I have enough to get me through a couple of months, but not a lifetime. Right. And, you know, of course I have, you know, there's, there's, there's other things you can do. We talk about money all day long, but... You know, this this mentality, you know, if you have 20 grand in your PayPal account, as a for instance, and, and that covers your nut for six months, um, if, if you take out 15 or 17 and put it in your bank account, now that lower PayPal balance will actually make you write an email that you wouldn't have written when you had 20 yeah. in there. Yeah. And it's, it's a little thing, but it's a big thing when you think about it because now you're working hard to get that back up to 20 it's and, absolutely, then you, and, and then you flush it again. It's huge. It's, I mean, what Brad's talking is exactly my thought process. I woke up this morning. You know, we're selling our traveling conversion notes, travelingconversionsummitnotes.com, right? So we're doing that, and it's going really, really, really well. You know, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm blessed right now. I've got some cash in there, but it does. It's like, well, I should have sent that email yesterday, but then you log into PayPal, and you're like, oh, I'm good. So I wrote an email 
because I knew I was sweeping the PayPal account today and I wanted to refresh it. Now I'm like checking and, and it, it just keeps you hungry yep. and it keeps you motivated. You know, yep. one thing I'm even doing um, was I, I took this a little one step further with my bank account. I basically said, I'm going to establish this minimum or this maximum, excuse me, that we're going to keep in the account and every dollar over it every month gets swept out. Yep. And I can tell you from personal experience, like, that creates an instant fire because uh, I've talked about it before, like a thermostat. If you're used to having 20K in there and then you log in and it's five, it's like your brain is like, we have to get back to comfortable and yep. normal as quickly as possible. Yep. And then when you get up there, you do it again, your brain's like, oh shit, it's fight or flight. And I mean, you know, it can create a little bit of stress, but it's good. It's motivational stress. We need it. Yeah. And, and, and you do need it, you know, and, and, and even if you are like I did this in the reverse when I was quitting my job, and I think about it, it was like, I, how low can I get my credit card balance? Bam! And you're aggressive, and you hammer it down, and you start seeing those results, and you're like, man, I want to keep doing this because this yeah. is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. And so you, you know, you still have money, and it goes, but it just goes into stocks, and it goes into investments where you have to, you have to really go through, you have to jump through hoops to get it. And so you're not going to go there for it. You're right. going to focus on earning the revenue back that you need to get yourself back to that place of comfort and then take it away again and just keep pulling the rug out from under yourself. And it really, it really helps you to earn a lot more money. Yeah. Because just going back to the grocery car example, you know, when you're ravenous, you put everything in there. But when you're full, you can't, you know, if, say if, if you get, you know, I've had this happen. Like, I'll just get done eating lunch. The buddy call me and go, you want to go to lunch? It's like, dude, I can't. If I eat again, I'm miserable. Because your body is just like, no, we're good. We're comfortable. We're happy. Yeah. We're safe. And, and you want to kind of keep, like you say, it gets to a point, again, you know, first of all problems, but it gets to a point where you really do have to self-motivate to continue to make money. Because especially if you've got low debt, you know, your lifestyle is paid for and you have a significant reserve, you know, it really causes you to be like, I'm good. Like, I can just coast for a little while. And, you know, you always know that always bites you months and years down the road. You have to trick the lizard brain, right? We have, you know, they always talk about the sort of the, the lizard part of the brain that reacts you know, it's 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 the part of your brain that that you know knows to fight or flight, and, right? You know, right. All that kind of stuff, and if if you can trick it, uh, in in into pushing you forward, right. To get back to comfort, whatever that minimum comfort is, everyone right. has a different number, a different a definition of what that is. But if you can trigger it to actually listen, or or or, or to 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 put you into that hustle mode, you can't stop it. Yeah. Right. It's 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 actually it's it's it's. It's your operating system. Yeah. And if you hack your operating system, you'll always be more successful than if you just try and intelligently do things financially. It's like if, if you trick yourself into thinking you don't have enough money, you'll hustle to yeah. get it. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's funny how they say that, that you know, everyone can meet their minimums, but they're all different. You know, some people, have, you know, I know guys that have, you know, lifestyles that cost them a hundred grand a month, Ugh. you know, and, right. and, and, uh, they always manage to meet that minimum, even if they're always broke, they're able to meet that minimum. Right? Because every, it's yeah, in because the, brain, the mind right? is is, is oh. programmed that way, right? That's just disgusting. I mean, I, as I think about it, it's just, but and it sounds so simple. But I'm telling you, someone who's been doing it ever since he mentioned it, it's the smartest thing. I, I mean, what I do is every Monday I get up and I sweep the count down to the bare minimum that I know that we need to survive. And then it's like your instant hustle mode because you're like, I have to make that money. Totally. I have to make yeah. that money right now so that I can get back up to where it was. And then you sweep it back down. Even today, I'm like, you know, looking and going, okay, well, how many sales have we made? What's the PayPal balance up? Yeah. Because my body and my brain is going, hey, hey, we're, we're starving. We need to, you know, we yeah. need 
to get back to that security it's, place. It's okay to, to make yourself a little bit anxious so that you work harder. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not, I'm not saying give yourself a panic attack or anything like that. It's just, I mean, like I said, you get to a point where you have the toys, you know, you have the lifestyle, you can pretty much do what you want when you want, so you have to find different ways to motivate yourself, and that's a really easy hack, uh, whether you're trying to pay off debt or accumulate wealth, that you can do to keep yourself motivated and hungry. Yeah, and in the process, you're investing. You're putting your money in places where it's going to grow and you know, you don't necessarily see it like you see it in your bank account or your PayPal account, but it's there and it's and it's working for you. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. Well, dude, look, I, I want to do more, but this has already gone on probably the longest interview ever. Um, <laughs> so if you are coming to Mayhem next month, I want to I want to do part two of this. Okay. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk about because the other thing is, uh, you know, I want to talk about your hiring processes. There's just so much more to discover in the world of Brad. <laughs> but till then, man, thanks for hanging out and uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. All right, buddy.